Welcome back to another episode of the Into the Night Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy, Into the Night, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Chris Ramirez, uh, co-host of Minute Impossible, another Movies by Minute, uh, where we break down the Mission Impossible franchise one minute at a time. Uh, We are currently on Mission Impossible 2, so go check us out at MinuteImpossible.com. Minute 19 uh, starts off again where we left off yesterday. Uh, we've got Diane standing on the the perch of the barrier uh, in the parking garage between her level and uh, Ed's level. And Ed looks up as she screams at him and she jumps onto the hood of his car. I, I don't know about you guys, but myself, if somebody, some beautiful young woman jumps on the, the hood of my car, I'm going to be a little concerned for myself, my car, and, and of course for her. But... <laughs> You know, it, it, it's one of those sequences. That it, it's the first sequence in this film that uh, wakes Ed up in any way previously that we haven't seen him before. It, it jolts him. It's, it's the jolt that he's been looking for, if you will. So she jumps off the hood and into the car, and she's basically telling him to go, to drive, to get go, go, go. And then, of course, out of nowhere, one of the Savaks jumps on the hood of his car as well. Uh, only this one is holding a gun at, at his face uh ed pulls out real quick pulls back real quick and drives off now one of my favorite sort of things in any movie that has a uh parking garage in it is is i always hope for some sort of chase or a car chase or any sort of vehicular madness in in a parking garage and uh uh, this one doesn't have anything massive but it does have cars running through a parking garage which is always a fun thing for me to watch because i i love the way vehicles run how, how as a, a filmmaker can make a vehicle running through a parking garage, which is a fairly simple thing, look exciting and look high speed, even though you know they're probably not driving nearly as fast as, as it looks, thanks to the use of wide angle lenses and, and, and camera angles. But uh, with the sound and everything, it, it ends up <laughs> becoming a lot more fun. And in this sequence, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a not a huge throwback, but it, it's fun to see Landis playing with uh, vehicles the way he is here. Again, because of the his you know his work with the Blues Brothers, which is just crazy carnage, literally. But anyway, so they drive off and and down around the corner, and the Savaks uh, have a moment of again more Keystone cops and Three Stooges of them trying to get back up the the barrier back onto their level to get to their vehicle. Uh, it's really ridiculous and it's really silly, and it's so funny. Uh, because they're like children trying to get back up. It's just, it's really ridiculously stupid. But I do enjoy it, especially as they're trying to push each other over by helping them up, the other one up. It's just, it's it's so dumb. But you gotta love it. Finally, we cut back down to them, uh, to Ed and Diana, driving, you know, speeding down the, the parking garage and Ed saying that they need to find a cop. And Diana's just, go, go, go. She's she's so ready to leave. We cut back to the Savaks and they're in their vehicle driving and uh, sure enough, as the 80s trope is one to do, a car pulls out, a big van pulls out, and the Savaks run right into it. And out come five big, burly, Harley Davidson type guys. The Savaks get out of their car. They see them. They look back. 
and this is such a thing that happened in the, in, in most comedies in the eighties. And, and it's usually, it's the, it's a silly little trope, but I gotta, you gotta love it. I mean, as fun as, as stupid as it is, it, it's, it's still a big, you know, these, these intimidating psycho guys who just killed a man and have a, a, a dead man in their trunk seem intimidated by, by these, these four big burly, four or five big burly, uh, motorcycle hell's angels types but they're not really they're just like big burly white guys looking like they're coming from some sort of bar or something because like, what are they doing there at the airport anyway i mean that's that's my question why are they, why are they did they pick up a friend or did they pick them up for some sort of meet? I, I really don't know anyway it's kind of funny then we cut away from that we never really see any sort of i don't know if we ever i don't think we ever see any sort of resolution to that but it's just it's just a randomness. It's a moment to let Ed and Diana get away, and and, and they do. They they drive off down the parking garage and out the exit, and uh, and down this great great shot of the big terminal iconic building from the LAX uh, entrance. Uh, they're driving up to a, a parking attendant, and Ed says, "Oh look look, there's a cop. There's one now." Let's, let's. Diana's still trying to urge him not to not to stop, not to talk to somebody about it. And that's where our minute ends there. Now, there's a lot to sort of, as simple as that minute is, there's a lot going on with the actors and with the, the movements. Now, speaking of, they're, they're obviously in the car, Ed and uh, Diana, or Jeff and uh, Michelle are in the car. So whether it's being pulled in the sequence, because I doubt that they're probably driving, they probably got a, another car pulling them to get the shot. But they're they're really going at it as far as acting is concerned in this moment. Ed looks scared and uh, shocked and awake, finally. And Diana, Michelle Pfeiffer, is still screaming and scared and 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 just trying to run for her life. And, and I think it comes across very well. I mean, you know, Landis is talking about how, how picking an actor like Jeff Goldblum for the part as opposed to somebody like Nicholson or Gene Hackman or Tom Berenger or even Kevin Kline brings a certain distinction to the character of, of Ed. The part was written as an older character, more stuck in a rut, but because it was younger, because of, of Goldblum, it, it gives it a different sort of uh, feeling. The, the character has a different set of backgrounds and, and life experience to, to run off of, as opposed to an older older man who would uh, see this as an exciting thing for him, I would think, or, or is more set in his ways. Ed kind of goes with the flow, and, and I think that's part of the charm of of having Jeff Goldblum in the, in the role, as opposed to uh, somebody older or somebody more, you know, the typical leading man type. Uh, having, having Goldblum play the part gives it a very, very, very unconventional feeling, and, and he, he, he is, you know, he, he does... Later down the road, he does become a leading man as far as, as in his film roles, you know, with like things like The Fly and Earth Girls Are Easy and uh, some of the other roles he ends up playing uh, later. Later, this the same year in 85, he would uh, have a small part in uh, Silverado for Lawrence Kasdan, who also appears in this film later. So keep an eye out for him. But uh, that's more of a, of a sort of smaller role. Now, at this point, Goldblum had done, uh, like I said, Buckaroo Banzai and The Big Chill, and he was better known for playing sort of smaller sort of sleazy smarmy type characters you know that were kind of like like uh you know always trying to hit on the girl and always kind of like trying you know in Buckaroo Banza he was he was very smart but he was also very very much what we expect from Jeff Goldblum nowadays but but in this film he's he's very reserved so far and he's very insular 
as opposed to extrovert the way he is in most of his films. We'll be coming up on that soon, though, in this in this film, probably in the next minute or so, where you'll see him be more Jeff Goldblum. But in this film, he he's he plays it all much more subdued and much more depressed and sad and and lonely. And I think that that the direction that Landis gives him. And just in general, the way that that Goldblum plays the part gives the character a very sympathetic and very understanding entry point for an audience. Uh, the audience can see him and go, "Oh, I understand his feelings," or "I can, I can see where he's coming from." And and, and once he meets Diana, it's a whole a whole another world for him, you know. And it's a whole another basis of of reality, if it is reality in this point. And as far as as Diana and Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. She was coming off Scarface and coming off Grease too, like I said. And and Landis said, you know, that he wasn't really like gung ho about her at first because he'd he'd seen Jamie Lee in the part. You know, it's who he'd wanted, and, and he saw that this character needed to be somebody who was like amazing and gorgeous and really just the perfect sort of femme fatale, but beauty and somebody who was, as he in his words said, he said is somebody who was delicious. And so he hadn't felt that that Michelle Pfeiffer was that after seeing. Scarface because he thought she was, you know, kind of gaunt and, and, and bitchy and, and not really what the character was meant to be. But her agent, you know, bugged him and, and she finally did meet with her. And once he met with her, he saw the character. He saw her. He was somebody who's supposed to be bright and gorgeous and beautiful, but also determined and, and somebody who was not, not going to be taken too lightly. She was really the femme fatale that was out for herself. But at the same time, the femme fatale with a heart of gold, like, which I would say is how I put it. And it helps that it's Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, you really buy into her sympathy and her beauty and her her fear at this point of the film. And I, I, and that's helped, you know, by her performance, her costuming, her makeup, her hair, and the way that uh, DP Robert Painter shoots her. I mean, he really does a great job of shooting her in this film. Her performance is is, is one of those ones that, between this and Lady Hawk, I think, that same year, it, it's it's basically what I think started her career her career trajectory. I mean, yeah, sure, Grease wasn't it, but uh, Grease 2 wasn't it, but Scarface helped. Uh, but after this and Lady Hawk, people started to take notice. And within two years, she was one of the leads in, in Witches of Eastwick, which is amazing. And then she had The Fabulous Baker Boys in 89 and Tequila Sunrise in 88. So, I mean, you know, she really hit her stride after these two films. But but she's gorgeous in this film and she's she's a, she gives a great performance in it. And I think part of it, a lot of a big part of it has to do with the way that, that Landis and Robert Painter light her and, and show her off and... and I remember as, as, as an 11 year old going, wow, she's amazing. And I'd seen Grease too. And I'd seen Scarface at this point, but, but still she was one of those people that you, as, as a, as a movie goer, you see and you go, wow, that's, she's a star. You can really tell. And, and in these moments and in the next minute, especially um, you see it, you see her in her performance very much so. But as we come to the end of this minute, you know, we, like I said, you see this great shot that Painter and Landis have lined up for us as the car pulls from left to right into the sequence and you see the big uh, iconic LAX building there and they pull up to this little little bitty uh, toll uh, toll office or toll house if you will uh, with the, the officer standing right there and, and the ticket taker as well and that's where our minute ends today before I go I'd like to let you know that you can find the Into the Night podcast on iTunes and Google Play or at the main site nightminute.com you can also find us on social media at The King Lives Listener's Limo on Facebook and on Twitter at Night Minute you can find me, Chris Ramirez, and my co-host, Jonathan Howell, at MinuteImpossible.com. Or you can also find our podcast on iTunes and Google Play or anywhere you find your podcasts from. You can, you can join us on social media at The Impossible Minute Force on Facebook or 
at Min Impossible on Twitter and Minute Impossible on Instagram. I've been Chris Ramirez. Thank you for joining me and come back tomorrow for another minute of Into the Night. Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.